I'm not going to miss what's probably going to be the social event of the season. You hate people! But I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? Made of fail. We were unpopular before it was cool. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Help me out here, Spock. I don't speak loser. Listen to yourself, man. You're hanging with nerds. Good evening, everybody, and welcome once again for the last time to Made of Fail. We've missed your dulcet tones. <laughs> I am... You are... Fuck it. Just, let's just go with Kevin. I'm, uh, I'm Kevin. And with I me. am Dana, and I can hear my cat growling like a fucker in the background. That's what they do. <laughs> So we're here uh, because this is the series finale. Oh, are we calling it that? I don't know. You asked me to open the show. I'm just, I'm opening the show. In grand made-to-fail tradition, we've made the opening super awkward and uncoordinated. Because, you know... We are super awkward and uncoordinated. We started the show with absolutely zero preparation and just bullshitting. And that's how we're going to end uh, exit this world. So, <laughs> so uh, it's been like a year and I'm really sorry about that. Um, life happened. You know, and also I couldn't get my guests to commit to anything. So um, I'm fine. I'm well, fine. that's cats. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. And the, the, the interesting thing is that the last time that I was on the show, we were discussing about how the normalization of Nazis is very dangerous. And guess what? It's been a strange year. We were right. <laughs> oh, I'm going to try really hard not to focus on bad shit because it's like it's the last episode, man. Let's go out on a positive, you know? It's fucking everywhere else, so. Let's 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 talk about the good stuff. Sure. I kind of what do you have in mind? I I honestly had nothing in mind. I wanted to wing it, and then I wanted to script it out, and then I wanted to outline it. But I don't know. Our listeners get to listen to us be super super unprofessional. Proper made a fail tradition. Proper made a fail tradition. But um. Going old school with this. Well, as long as we're talking about old school, I thought we could sort of go over the the history of the show and how it came to be and how it's all your fault. My fault. Yep. Well, look. What texted me? That was ten years ago. Okay. How is that even (laughs) possible? How did that happen? It just happened. We just ah. Ten years. God, ten that's years. Up. That's an yep. anniversary, man. You know, it's uh, the twenty-fifth anniversary of Jurassic Park. Okay. Twenty-five years. That's really weird. Like, those special effects still hold up. Those are some good fucking animatronics. And next year it'll be 30 years from The Little Mermaid. Okay, you want to shut up now before I start <laughs> needing dentures and a fucking walker? You wanted to go... To get off my lawn. You wanted to go for one of the classic shows. This is what we do. I know. 
but I also just sort of wanted to like take this time to reflect, you know, we're the plan is, and I don't know how well the plan is going to go, but I am trying Knowing to get us. everybody. I'm trying to get everybody who's been like sort of a mainstay on the podcast to do a little like audio thing reflecting on their time. And so far, I've only had two people answer me, and I gave them a deadline for the 15th, and we're recording this on the 11th, so I'm going to have several cascading panic attacks over this. Um, but Kev and I are going to sort of, like, bookend this, and this first part's going to be sort of, like, just reflecting on the show itself, and then the second half at the end is going to be a little bit more personal. But I, I really... It's just been so weird. This has just been such a great podcast from start to finish, even though we've had some really, really shitty episodes that I didn't like very much. We learned and we grew. And you had to watch us do it. Now I know how a child star feels. (laughs) The point is, is that we started out, just the two of us, in your apartment, well, it started um, with a text. It started with a text. It started with a text. I was bored at work. Um, I was bored at work, and I was like, hey, you know what? We always have a good time talking to each other. Why don't we start a podcast? And you're like, why the fuck would we do that? Nobody's going to listen to us. And nobody did. <laughs> we ended up with like a decent amount of listeners i guess we had tens so, tens of people literally l- literally baker's dozens <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it grew and weirdly we, grew we we mostly rode cleolinda's coattails <laughs> reflected glory yeah but it worked and you know what she's still one of our best friends totally and, and i think one of my favorite things about the show is not just the friends that we made. Maybe the real podcast was the friends that we made along the way. But I mean, literally. For, for me, personally, I really enjoy the fact that this community sort of like got people who didn't know each other to start talking to each other and become friends with each other. Like, watching them become friends was so fucking great and watching them become like super fucking successful i know right like there's at least a a a handful of people that we uh watch get their start and has uh no he was kind of already on the path of doing so yeah but he he started off at about the same time we did around 2008 because he just had his 10th anniversary over at a top fourth wall and then, like, Noel and Kaylee. Kaylee's, like, every fucking Kaylee! Now. Oh, fucking Kaylee over on uh, Anglo Fees. Which is still, which is go still on, going strong. Still going strong. We're still publishing We're... Anglo Fees, we promise. And and the, they've got their own uh, stuff going on. And Kaylee is just, like, she's, she's writing... guesting on other podcasts. She's, she's writing, writing for Pajiba. She's writing for, what is that one? Uh, sci-fi something? Oh. Sci-Fi Wire. Sci-Fi Wire. God, I couldn't remember the name of it. It was driving me crazy. Sci-Fi Wire. She's uh, um, getting uh, uh, published like all over the place. And people who 
are not part of the made fail circle are linking me her articles saying, hey, you've got to read this. Oh, that is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, yes, we're tight. We're bros. I, I, I try not to do that because that's less accurate and also really kind of a dick move. <laughs> I know, but it's still neat. <laughs> yeah, but no, just all the all the best to her, all the best to everybody over there and, and everybody else. And one of the things that I'm the proudest of, honestly, because mm-hmm. we're talking about prize, is just not just creating the community and ha- getting people introduced to each other, but um, watching people take inspiration through our projects or through other projects uh, that were, you know, related to us or just in general inspired the inspiration where they decided that, you know, they could do something like this or something else entirely too. Because if, if we could do this, there's there's really no barrier to getting your start in anything that you want. You, 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 yeah, I mean, we're like the lowest bar you could possibly set, let's face it. But the fact of the matter is, is that people are like, okay, you taught us that you could always start a thing. You'd always, you, you, you don't have to finish it. <laughs> but you can always. That's your philosophy, that last bit. Nah. Just... And you know, it's worked for me so far. <laughs> But there's no harm in trying to start it, and you'll learn a lot of things along the way. There are, like, I have gotten jobs by putting this on my resume. That is so weird, because, like, my career path went somewhere completely different. You have extenuating circumstances. I do. But you had, like... Because you're currently still writing for Comicosity, right? Um, I'm actually on a hiatus from Comicosity right now. Um, but, but you were. I think I'll probably get back to it um, because I just found out that DC is rebranding and relaunching its Vertigo line. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited because they are total, like, quote, SJW, unquote, comics. And I want every single one of them, but especially one called Goddess Mode that Zoe Quinn is writing. And I'm like... I am calling dibs on that six months in advance. <laughs> but because you, you're because you've been putting yourself out there for the last ten years, I have. For and absolutely terrified of people and and going out and trying new things. I I took a few chances. The 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 worst that people can do is say no. Yeah. And that's still sorry. I know, but that's but that's. If I if I could impart any lesson over the last ten years of made a fail, the worst anybody can do is say no. You can always try to do something. If you don't know how to do it, you can look it up. If you don't know how to look it up, I chances are you know somebody who does. I'm really you good have- at finding uh, at googling resources for people, and I think the the most important thing is just to know how to Google. People our age, people who have been on the internet forever, we've developed skills, and those skills are surprisingly marketable. The real lesson is learning how to market them. I'd really like to link to your thread, and I'm going to, when I listen to uh, this episode, I'm going to mark this down in the show notes. Is it okay if I link to that Twitter thread that you did? um, Absolutely. Okay, cool. 
yeah, about how everything is marketable, and you, it's it's just a matter of like glossing it up to make it sound all professional. Find all the buzzwords. <laughs> Because that's because because really, it, skills are skills. It doesn't matter how you learned them. The fact is that you learned them. Listen, and yeah, for for considering who the fuck is president right now. You oh are God, not, you are overqualified. You are not, not underqualified for any job ever. <laughs> if there is one thing that you can learn one from the 2016 election, is that there is no no possible reason not to apply for jobs you're unqualified for. <laughs> we laugh because society is crumbling all around us. Good times. Good times. Good times. Let's talk about some of the favorite episodes that we've had, because mine, <laughs> I gotta say, dude, the Twilight episodes were sort of our heyday. <laughs> Cleo is Fucking still bringing up Cleo still brings up the horrify the Twilight new episode. That is the best episode, especially it is when Casey the best. like lost her shit and like. And and and, and you could hear and Cleo's you could hear people just like clapping and rubbing their hands together. It's like yee. I wish I could isolate that clip, but I listened to it and it's covered over with other people talking. And I really wish I could have just. I wanted to do like a clip show originally, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to Seinfeld everybody. And there's one episode that was related to that, but wasn't specifically a Twilight episode, which, where I think Cleo was, one of the times where Cleo was you for the day, um, where it was, uh, uh, fandom stopped doing the thing, the episode. Oh, yeah. And, uh, how, how fans could, (laughs) yeah, fandom stopped doing the thing and treat celebrities like fucking people because they fucking are. Yeah, um, I, I but that's like one of my favorite conversations. Well, I mean, it was us saying it, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's an important conversation, and I'm very proud of how that conversation turned out. I think, from a technical standpoint, my favorite one was probably the Watchmen episode, just for how well moderated it went. You know, yes, I. You know, people have told me that I did a really good job moderating that, and I'm going to take that. So. You know, I uh, I don't think I've ever been that good of a moderator since, but I will definitely take that, and it was a lot of fun to do. And there were a couple episodes that ended up sort of being problematic years down the line, but I still kind of... St- there was one where um, the more recent episode, the one that I did with my old guildmates Ari and Jarek, and we were talking about um, how video games and fandoms can translate to real-life skills and stuff like that. And, you know, even though I'm no longer a Templar, and there was sort of a falling out, I'm still proud of that episode, because I still stand by the general message of it. Mm-hmm. Relating to the whole uh, skills you develop on the internet. Mm-hmm. It all ties in. And the other one that ended up being super, super problematic was when George and I were mourning um, Justin Carmichael, Jewario, after his suicide. And then years later, we found out he was a rapist. God, that was... But... (sighs) It doesn't doesn't invalidate the feelings that we had at the time. 
he's a horrible it's, person, but the it, it doesn't invalidate or negate the impact that he had at that time. And it doesn't invalidate or negate the um, difficulties of mental illnesses and... Yeah, the conversation that sprung up between me and George about it afterwards, I uh, I will absolutely stand by. Whatever you're doing, there's clicking going on. Incidentally. I don't know what that is. Okay. Oh, I think when I talk, it's like clicking in the uh, the headset for some reason. I don't. I don't know. know it just why. it's 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 coming through very very loud. So just let you know. Eh. I'll try to talk like smaller. God, that is my headset. I don't know why. When I when I move my jaw, it, it clicks. As <laughs> that, that is really weird. That is bizarre. Oh well. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't really regret regret any other episodes. I mean, we had to take down a few because well, okay, I took down a few because there were people who ended up being abusive towards me or other people, and I didn't want them represented on my show anymore. So, I think it was just three three episodes: one with Cold Guy, Will, and Jason. And there were plenty of there were there were plenty of incidents. Uh, instances where we were very very much uh making that awkward transition between having private jokes between us and being public figures even if public figures meant to like 12 people <laughs> um but the fact of the matter is, is that there were a lot of jokes and a lot of comments that we made that were really shitty and we learned and we grew and we listened to feedback and there's stuff that you know, I if I listened to some of those first few episodes, I would be like, "Holy shit! Did we really say that? Did we really make those jokes? That's oh, awful." I was, I was absolutely. I'm, I'm embarrassed to this day. We used to make a lot of Dana's a pedophile jokes, and that really stopped being funny, <laughs> like really bad. Because I, I really wasn't, but it was like sort of teasing me about it, like because. I would hit on people and not realize that they were 15, but I was like 18 when that happened. 25 at the latest. We both and thought we the other was 18, and I didn't do anything. But it was, it's in hindsight, it's extremely gross, and I regret having those jokes on the show. And we used to make some casually uh, queerphobic. Really? comments and jokes yeah we did. we did um we got called out for it a couple times and I we had to we had uh mailbag uh instances that we read out and then we had to make apologies for it i remember these things it's been but 56 the funny thing episodes is, i'm not gonna but the funny thing is neither of us turned out to be straight so <laughs> <laughs> hindsight's kind of uh it's like whoop we were really shitty back then and that's kind of how it was. My problem so. is I never really considered myself bisexual, but I I guess like around 1999, even that far back, I'm pretty sure it was Eliza Dushku's faith on Buffy that made me go, hey, those are weird vaginal feelings. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was. It's hard for me because there's that whole like... There's that perception of bisexuality where it's supposed to be a 50-50 split. That's how most people think of it. 
And I am, like, just overwhelmingly attracted to men. But ever so often, there's some chick that I'd be like, I want to spank that ass. <laughs> so... Problematic. So, the point is... I'm kind of a pervert. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I gotta be me, man. But, you know, but I, the try point to, that... I try to not be an asshole about it. There's a lot of stuff going on, especially out in uh, the celebrity circuits, uh, uh, various movements, various things where um, there's kind of a weird line between apology culture and pretending that you didn't do anything wrong. And there's um, apology culture. It's kind of a, well, it's comments. That's the point I'm trying to make. Actually, I kind that, of want that explained because I'm not sure what you're talking about. Where people are more concerned about people making a big apology than they are about them actually changing what they do. Oh. The kind of call, like, like call, it's it's categories. related to call out culture. Your, your your categories. Yeah, they're fighting right now. <laughs> um, but uh, the point the point that I'm trying to make is that it's more important to acknowledge the failures that you had in the past and learn and grow for them, learn and grow from them. You don't pretend that you never did it because that's a not true. And B wallpapering over things is just never, never the solution to anything. So At the same we did time, some shitty things. Yeah, we did. And you know, we're sorry. And we've tried to change, but at the same time, you, you mentioned something about people like demanding apologies and stuff like that, like a, like a performance of, of regret almost. Yeah. But I've also noticed that there's this trend where people like to go back, maybe, you know, five, 10 years into somebody's past and say, Oh, look at what they did. They're a horrible person. They're a hypocrite. And they immediately default, they immediately default to assuming hypocrisy where it could be that that person just learned better and grew. Remember how we were like 10 years ago? There's public record in the form of audio podcasts. Remember what you were like 15 years ago, 20 years ago? I was a little shit. There's a public record from when my ex-boyfriend's ex-girlfriend decided to go and cyberstalk me and put it all on archive.is. That was fun. I have... 2015 was a weird year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have talked about how, like, high school and slightly after, there, like, the MRA movement was not a thing that existed back then, but if it had, I would have been right there in there. And there's... I, I have said multiple times that you guys would not have liked me in high school, and I meant that. Well, good thing I you weren't in learned. high school when I met you. Yeah, I've learned and I've grown and I've had people sit me down and say, hey, this is not fucking okay. And I've fought and I've resisted change and then I've tried to change. And then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make the effort to be a better person. But you also have to acknowledge when people do make the effort to be a better person, because isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you, what you want people to do is to stop being terrible and to start Mm-hmm. learning how to be a better person but in the and same there... vein may i interrupt i'm going Absolutely. to ask this time <laughs> okay <laughs> we um, learn if i may 
I'm trying to be more mindful of that. The reason why I interrupt so much is that I have a very bad short-term memory, and if I don't say the thing right then, I'm going to forget about it. And I'm going to try to be more mindful of that in the future. So, mm-hmm. that being said, in that same vein, I feel like there's a really serious problem um, in within the left, the liberal community, where we insist on perfection. And it... it like somebody has to be like an absolute saint and any hint of anything problematic they're immediately discarded and that really fucking sucks because it 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 makes perfection the enemy of good enough and yes we should strive for perfection but we're never gonna get there if we can't make a pit stop at good enough you know what i'm saying it's it should be the default that you focus on how you deal with people, how, how people deal with fucking up and recovering from fucking up than about how they never should have fucked up in the first place. Yeah. I think there's a hyper focus on, you know, shitty things that people have done in the past, but I think that it's only really applicable if they continue to do that shitty thing. Yeah, you know it's it. I mean? That's yeah. It, that's that's what I mean. Recovering from fucking up is 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 the whole thing. Like, let's let's give a specific example here. So um, again, we 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 tried to talk. We we tried to say that we weren't going to talk too much politics about here. But uh, last year, there was a full fledged Nazi rally in Charlottesville, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. South Carolina. Um, I very bad at geography. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's a full-fledged Nazi rally. That next Saturday Night Live, Tina Fey was on, and she said she she was making a joke, and uh, she was doing this whole bit about how all these fears, all these uh, thoughts and feelings that we had about Nazis rallying, we bottle them up and we eat cake. And there was justifiably an outrage about that because ignoring Nazis is how you get Nazis mm-hmm. and, and uh, being afraid to confront them is how they get power. Tina Fey. Let me just, let me, let me continue. Tina Fey did not double down on this because once she could, first off, she didn't say anything about, about it for weeks because she doesn't have a Twitter and she doesn't, she doesn't really uh, pay attention to like online drama and discourse and stuff. So when people actually brought it up to her, when people brought it up to her, that there was this whole kind of backlash about that, she was confused. And then she stopped and she talked to people and she then went and made a, uh, um, point next time that she talked about it instead of going around and making a big public apology the next time she talked about it she uh i think this was on her episode of david lutterman's netflix special Mm -hmm. um where she was talking about look i tried to make a joke because comedy is you try different things and you know what i fucked up i chunked it uh and here's what i'm going to do better next time and she went and she detailed and, uh, you know, David Ludwig was like, oh, but do you, do you, do you think that it was just because people don't understand the humor? And she was like, no, I don't think that at all, because uh, I think that, you know, I meant well, but meaning well doesn't mean that you 
always do good things and here's how I fucked up and here's where I'm listening to people and here's how I'm going to make sure that I don't do that again. I'm a big believer in um, reacting to results. I think results matter more than intent and I Mm -hmm. think it's how you react to those results that determines how other people are going to see you. So I have a lot of respect for how Tina Fey um, handled that. And she didn't go and make this whole big public apology, but she also didn't try to pretend that she didn't do anything wrong. She was like, you know what? I tried. It didn't work. I understand why it didn't work. And here is why I'm not going to do that. And here's why I'm going to be better. Well, that's the thing about how an effective apology is made. You recognize what you did is wrong. You recognize why it was wrong. You apologize to the people affected. And then you change your behavior to not do it again. That's an effective apology. She didn't go, I'm sorry you feel this way. (laughs) We sincerely regret that you feel this way. Yeah, there's... Yeah. If you wanted an example of the opposite of how to apologize to people, go What go not to, to do. Awesome. <laughs> that really went to hell. <laughs> that really but yes, yeah, so that's that's how I feel on the issue, and I think, I think that's one of the best ways to handle something like that. I think that being able to make an apology like that and learn from your mistakes is a is a pillar of what we really want to see in a community any kind of community of fandom or or like just i don't know i i guess fandom's the only word i can really think about it but also just any sort of political community you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think no matter how large or how small just trying not to be an asshole is a really good idea People are going to fuck up and, the, and you just, what you do is you don't, I mean, you don't go, oh, okay. It's going to be okay if I fuck up. It's not, it's never okay when you fuck up, but it's, 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 it's less about striving for perfection and or more about over apologizing, you know, don't, and, don't and, let, don't let people make you apologize for something for the rest of your life. You know, something that you did 20 years ago that you have that, that, that you aren't, at all like that anymore yeah but for anybody with an anxiety disorder that's all you do is sit around and focus on things that you did 20 years ago that made you look yeah. stupid yeah so you're already punishing yourself oh, for that. Yeah. you don't need other people punishing you for that well i'm kind of uh, into that so anyway anyway <laughs> um but besides that besides that sort of problematic call out culture and apology culture thing a real problem with fandom nowadays is the us versus them divide. And man, I think it really came into the greater public consciousness, not just online. I mean, anybody online has, has seen toxic fandom since the days of Usenet. Okay. Yeah. But I think in 2014, when Gamergate happened and it started getting into like, you know, actual you know, offline media out in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Shit like that, man, people are seeing it. And I think because more people are seeing it, more people are joining in on it, to be honest with you. That's the drawback of media attention given to anything. You know what I mean? And you know where all of this overlaps with, you have the gamer gators, you have the alt-right, you have the fucking neo-Nazis, you have all of that. The comic gators. And you know where all that overlaps? 
the fact that people have seen that there's no consequences to being an asshole. Mm. I like that we're finally seeing those consequences, though. Some people are finally seeing consequences. You got Roseanne's show got kicked off the air. Um, mm-hmm. The person who harassed me got booted off of Twitter, which was great. Um, you know, Harvey Weinstein uh, got charged with rape, all that stuff. You know, the the whole... Me- it, there are definitely... There's a shift. Bill Cosby finally got Fuck convicted. Fuck Bill Cosby, that son of a bitch. I was watching an old Sesame Street, because Sesame Street has all their old classic uh, videos and stuff. I was watching those uh, after the last couple big celebrity suicides. I was watching a whole big bunch of that uh, old stuff that used to make me really, really happy, like old Sesame Street songs and, and videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, there was... Rubber ducky, you're the one. There was one of those big events that I clicked the video and started watching it, and it was being uh, introduced by Bill Cosby. And oh! I was like, Fuck! No, 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 no. This did not age well. Oh, everybody sucks. Never have heroes. But, All your heroes will let you down. Everything is terrible. Well. But, you know, I mean, that's why. I don't know, because I am going to be just a sobbing wreck when the Mr. Rogers biopic is uh, in theaters. Okay, that's the one person on the face of the earth who is a genuine bona fide saint. Yeah. Seriously. Like, nobody has ever said anything shitty about him ever, and we are going to keep it that way. No, one group of people has, and that's Klansmen. And oh, well, so- <laughs> like the, opinion of, the opinion of the KKK matters absolutely zero, so. I, I, I don't know. I'm just being pedantic. Yeah, you're, <laughs> go, go pedant on your own time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I'm just, you know, I, I, this is kind of self-aggrandizing to say, but I'm really glad that we came up with Made a Fail. Just to have that one space where it's like, and even before Gamergate came out, you know, before that whole like divisive fandom mentality thing, we were against the whole toxic fandom thing from the start. We were, we were a small sense. It doesn't make sense to us. Like if you love something, what is wrong with sharing it with as many people as possible to give them more happiness? You know what I mean? It's, it's, ah, the do not be a douchebag on the internet campaign. And I cannot believe that I still fucking remember Dimpidotic. every single letter of that. Yeah. Well, it, it was so stupid. <laughs> it was never going to catch on. I, I thought no, that was dumb. No, but you know what? It was ours. We so tried. gold star or the you little know, we, dead we... star thing that you do with the, uh, the, what's that star Wars language font thing? George would know. Arabesh. Uh, that says sure, it says nerd. you tried in it says you tried in the Star Wars language. Uh, <laughs> it was a, a gold dust You're star. Such a fucking nerd. Um, but we never we never really grew past you know the what three hundred people that uh, I think top I think it topped out at about topped out at three hundred. You probably like like a couple dozen at the most. I think our hardcore fans number somewhere around two or three dozen. I, yeah. think, I think that's the made to fail community, like, as a whole right now. And I don't but care. I never wanted to be super popular. It was for us, and you know what? We learned a lot. I learned a lot about audio editing and about community management oh, and a lot God, about website development yeah. and 
And again, stuff me. that you've helped me when the website explodes, and I'll just take notes. And you know, I've had the website explode on me a couple of times, and I fixed it because of you. Yeah. So we just, and that's and that's another thing. Circling back to one of the things that that, that we say always: if you if there's something you want to do, try. Try to learn. Try there. There. There are tutorials. There are avenues. If there, if you want to learn how to do something, we live in a golden age of information, where everything is available at our fingertips. We have the internet in our pockets at all times, anywhere in the world. <laughs> anywhere in the world. Like if you're stranded out in the middle of a highway. Depends how good the Wi-Fi is. Or the cell signal, but yeah, the <laughs> if you're stranded out in the middle of the highway and your tire blows, pull up how to change a tire on YouTube, usually on your phone, and learn how to do that. We are there is so much available to you that there the only guaranteed result is if you don't try and you'll never do it. I don't know. Was it Wayne Gretzky who said that you miss a hundred a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, or was it? It Michael was. Jordan? It was. It was Michael Scott who said that Wayne Gretzky said it. Oh, okay. Well, whoever actually <laughs> said it. It was. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Wayne Gretzky that said you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Whoever actually said you it. You know, I have the internet in my pocket. Let's find out. Let's learn a thing together. <laughs> Put Sesame Street music on in the background as we learn a thing together. Wayne Gretzky. Okay. So Wayne Gretzky said it. We have learned a thing. Yes. And no day, Hooray, no day in which you learn something is a wasted day. <laughs> the whole of life is a learning experience. It really is. And I'm really glad that we had the show to sort of like, you know, structure around that. And I'm, really? I'm really happy that... I was smart enough to end it <laughs> before I got super burned out on it. Unlike some people who just keep going along with their n structure and network <coughs> channel. Awesome. <clears throat> oh, must be coming down with something. You there? Yeah, I'm just trying to avoid any kind of petty rivalries right now. Oh, but Kevin... I have to be petty. It's part of my nature. Yeah, anyway. we were gonna ask. We were gonna ask Lewis if we could get a business meeting with them because they they they're based out. Oh God, here. I am so glad we dodged that bullet. Seriously, we didn't even. We didn't even. We didn't even try. <laughs> we were thinking about it. Do you remember when we came within a hair's breadth of getting Amber Benson on the show? Yes, we were so close, you guys. I'm so sorry. She just never followed up. Well, because that was right around. Oh, the time that's, that Andy right, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We didn't follow up with her because Andy Hallett died, and we didn't want to intrude on her grief. That's right. We didn't want to be a dick. Yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm petty. I I can have petty thoughts, and I'm I'm your problematic fave, and you as ever are perfect. The opinions expressed by Dana Abel do not reflect. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anybody else's. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about the show as a whole before we uh, do the? Um, I I I was going to 
get into this whole big thing about learning and growing uh, again, but that's me starting another circle of stuff that I've already said. So uh-huh. I'm just going to say no. Okay. Because <laughs> that's, that's just me being recursive at this point. Well, I don't think anybody still uses recursive when they write, do they? No, but you can get a lot of uh, aunts and grandmas who uh, are very salty about it. That joke didn't land, did it? No, not Made really. a fail tradition! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's go ahead and let other people have their say, and then we will sort of like Wayne's World transition into something else. Hello everybody, Jason David Frank, Tommy from the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I just uh, signed this to Dana, and I want to say hello to Made of Fail. Peace. Hey, what's up Made of Fail? It's Eliza Dushku here at C2E2, and uh, my charity that I work with is called Gartchgulu. It's T-H-A-R-C-E-G-U-L-U. Org, and it's for child soldiers in northern Uganda. My mom is in Uganda right now, and we could use any donation or any uh, thing you could volunteer for, for our organization. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Adam for the 10th anniversary and last episode of Made a Fail. Holy cow, we made it a decade. I feel incredibly privileged to have worked with and around so many talented people both on the podcast and on various other MOF productions. I think my favorite memories were the April's Fools episode I did with Tessa as well as the Tiny Rorschach's Tiny Journal from the Watchmen episode. Even after all these years, that line will hit me out of nowhere and make me smile when I've had a bad day. The only parting words I really have are that nothing ever really ends, especially on the internet. I like to think that our small community has improved the lives of everyone involved like I know it has mine. Thank you for 10 of years, Metafail. I hope we have a chance to do this again sometime. Yo, everyone. This is Tessa. Um, I have not done a whole lot for Metafail, I guess, but I have done some. I met Kevin a good handful of years before he and Dana started the podcast. Um, at the time, I was... God, I was 21, I guess. Jeez. When the, um, when the podcast really got going, I was on a couple episodes here and there. And, uh, I also did some graphical work for the site. Not much, but some. And then down the road, I took part in a couple different projects. Some of them were writing. I was in the Farscape rewatch, um... Some of them were audio. Uh, there was a really, really brief time in there where I had an actual podcast uh, that didn't last very long. But it was it was an experiment, I guess. I, I mean, I guess a lot of what I tried to do on the site could be kind of defined as as you know brief ventures into things that had mixed success, I guess. But I had fun, and that was kind of the point. I briefly did a live stream where I played video games live. Um, and then that eventually turned into a, a Let's Play series called One Piece Start that that went for a couple games and then kind of fizzled out. It didn't help that I lost a bunch of footage at one point and that kind of killed my enthusiasm for it. But overall, my time with Made of Phil was pretty fun. The last 10 years have been kind of big for me, I guess. And, and honestly, a lot of, I think I can credit 
my time with Maida Thale for helping a lot with my confidence being boosted. I mean, listening, like going, going back and listening to that first time I was on one of the episodes compared to the most recent time I was on one of the episodes. And it's like a night and day difference. I was not comfortable in front of a microphone the first time I did anything with this. And over time, that got a lot better. And I think that my time doing this stuff has really made that a thing. I mean, I went from being nervous to speak up at all on the microphone, not being able to string a sentence together, to, I mean, doing this right now. Uh, This would not have been a thing I would have done 10 years ago. Favorite moments of what happened over the past 10 years, gosh, with the site. Honestly, I miss doing One Piece Start. I miss doing, I think, the live streams specifically. At the time, I was working off of Ustream, I think, if I remember right. And the the streaming was really not what it is now, especially streaming that you weren't financially invested in. The Ustream, the free Ustream, like, stuff was really bad quality. And yet, people seem to like it. So, I mean, I, it's it's one of those things that, like, you know, had it been a couple years later, Twitch would have been a thing. And it would have been so much easier to set all that stuff up. Uh, like, my, my capturing software was awful. It was really bad, guys. It, like, those, like, go back and watch, the, like, don't, don't go back and watch those, like, VODs, but, like, you could if they still exist, and they may, they probably don't, but it was really bad, um, was why I eventually switched over to YouTube and did pre-recorded stuff, which I know people were not excited about at the time, because the people who, they, I, not that I ever had a big audience, but that's fine, that's never what I wanted, um, it, but the I know there were a couple people that enjoyed coming to watch and they liked the off the cuff, like just hanging out with somebody while they played video games kind of feel to it. And and honestly, I kind of miss that. I've given thought a couple times to setting up another stream again at some point and maybe it'll happen. Probably not. I'm too busy nowadays to really set aside a day for that. But you never know. It could happen. Who knows? I, I have been notorious for starting projects and then dropping them before they hit the finish line. There's there's still more projects that I really should probably get done before I try to pick up anything else. Anyways, this is getting off topic. If I have a final message here for listeners at the end of the podcast, it is you know, thanks for sticking with and listening and um, giving people like me outside of the main hosts a chance to come on and just try stuff and get their voices out there and do things that they probably otherwise wouldn't have done. And it, it's been an experience and I am very grateful that um, people had the patience to put up with me while I found my footing and found my voice, I guess. 
I, I've made so many friends through this that I really value. And I just want to say thanks for everything. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Weston Abney. I've been with Made of Fail for quite some time. I've been listening from the very beginning. Knew Kevin before that. Met Dana through the podcast. And I got to do some work uh, on uh, parts of the uh, show. I was uh, on the show a couple of times uh, as a guest. And I had the honor, the distinct honor, of writing for... Uh, the Farscape Project, the um, Deconstructing Moya, uh, where four of us got together and reminisced about where we were when we watched uh, Farscape the first time and uh, reviewed the series from fresh perspectives. I learned through that uh, how how different I was uh, from when I had first watched the series and thanks to that I was able to experience it through other people I was able to work with uh, Kevin and Tessa and Noel and learn what it meant to them and that right there I think is the made of fail experience it is bringing people together from wherever it is that they happen to be in their life and broadening our horizons. It is figuring out not just who we are, but who other people are. And from that, making ourselves a little better. Hmm. Made of fail. That's an interesting turn of phrase. We all fail sometimes. And that's normal. That happens. If we're not failing, we're doing something wrong. And how ironic is that? Literally ironic. That is the definition of irony. But no, it's, uh, it's us growing together. And I feel that I am a better person because of this crazy podcast that two people started doing when they were just like, hey, you want to do a podcast? Sure, let's do a podcast. What do we talk about? I don't know. Buffy? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Pretty sure that's not exactly how it happened, but it's pretty close. Oh, I was a guest on the show a couple of times. Uh, once, I can't remember, talking about something that uh, was World of Warcraft. Yeah, my passion. Not looking forward to the new expansion pack, but hey, maybe it'll be cool anyway. But the second time that I was on the show was the relationships episode. Once upon a time, and I don't know if you'll believe this or not, but I used to be really bad at personal interactions. Uh, I'm a lot better at it now, don't get me wrong. Uh, total stud. But I used to be exceptionally bad at relating to people, empathy, conversation, all that jazz. And the relationships episode on Made of Fail, I'm sure you can hear the uncertainty in you know, my voice there, talking about how I just don't know how to meet people. Because it is actually rough getting out and meet people. 
But that episode was what inspired me to go out and get involved with a local D&D group. Uh, we wound up playing Shadowrun, and there was a substantial amount of fallout from that. It was a lot of fun, but also ended tragically. Uh, but that is how I met somebody. And that is how I wound up having a kid. So in a sense, you could say that Made of Fail is directly responsible for my son. Thank you, Made of Fail. You made that. No, you, okay, helped a little bit. Just a little, but, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So the podcast is ending, but the site goes on. And every one of us, every relationship that we have built through this, that continues too. My personal favorite favorite moment in Made of Fail was, of course, a Cleo Linda episode. It was the Horrify the Twilight Noob game. Absolutely nothing will ever top in my mind the moment when Cleo Linda was building up to the moment that she said, and he imprinted on her, and Evil Canegro just <gasps> gasps, and that, that moment is forever imprinted on my mind, and I thank you so much for that. That experience is just perfect. But thank you all so much. It's been crazy, and I sincerely hope that it continues to be awesome. Hey everybody, this is Noel. It is not an exaggeration to say that Made of Fail changed my life. For those of you who didn't know me back in the day, which is all of you, I'm a person who struggled a lot with just basic living. I was only recently diagnosed with autism, which meant I went through my entire life to this point, going through all these struggles of having autism without knowing what it was that I was dealing with. And I was diagnosed with other things like ADHD and personality behavior disorders. And I was given tons of different kinds of treatments and programs. And none of it helped. Some of it made things a lot worse. School was a struggle. Friends were a struggle. Just having basic conversations was a struggle. I had a very difficult time interacting with people in general. And so as soon as I got out of high school, I took advantage of the opportunity to work a night job, which lasted for six years. That six years of almost total isolation, talking basically just to family members. Had a couple of friends, a couple of pen pals I met online, shout out to Tony. But for the most part, I spent six years not interacting with people. And that's not because I liked being alone. I'm actually not an introvert. I just was so anxiety-ridden over going out to interact with people that it was so comforting to just not. I'm used to being alone. I'm comfortable being alone. I don't like being alone, but I'm comfortable. During that period of time, I had to basically fill the void by just consuming a lot of stuff. TV shows, comics, movies, everything, and also blogs. The internet became this whole wide expanse for me to explore. And it wasn't uncommon for me to, whenever I'm following a blog that I enjoy, just go into the comments section and just start clicking on profile pics and seeing what comes up. Seeing someone's fan art page, someone's fanfic page, someone has their own blog, their own thing. Most of which I would just take a peek, be like, oh hey, that's interesting, and move on with my life. 
And every now and then I'd find something where I'd just start following it and enjoy it and make it a part of my regular routine. I don't remember what the specific post was, but I know it was on Peter David's blog. Peter David, the comic writer and author. And I was, again, going through the comment section, just clicking on profile pics, see what would come up. And one of those commenters was Queen on Thigh. Queen on Thigh, of course, the old screen name of Dana. I think still current screen name of Dana. And clicking on her profile pic led to this live journal site where it was either the first or the second episode. It just kind of, I can't remember which one, but it was the initial episodes of Made of Fail. I had heard a couple of other podcasts before then, but this was the first one that I just like really latched onto and I was like, oh God, these people like all the things I like. They're so fun and interesting to hear what they have to say about it. And I left a comment and I thought nothing of it because, you know, you leave comments, you move on with your life. But I kept following the podcast and sure enough, in the next episode, they bring up my comment. And it began this whole narrative of how I was the first random person to listen to their show and leave a comment who was not someone that they already knew. And as I kept listening to the show, I kept leaving comments. It kept coming up on the show and I became this weird recurring character, the random listener from Minnesota, random Noel, and then eventually it just settled on Noel. And it was so great becoming part of this emerging community because as this was going along, not only was I suddenly, you know, increasing my interaction with Kay and Dana and the show, but this entire community was building around the show. All these people, you know, Kay's old friends, people coming in through Cleo, people coming in through Lewis, people coming in through other things, and this great community of people started to build. And I think the reason why Made of Fail really took off is because it became this great showcase for the people in its community as they would not just have a guest, but they would have several guests on at a time from various different parts of the community and be like, let's see what happens if we throw them together and throw their interests and their perspectives together, see what new things will emerge from it. What was great was also when they started branching off into other projects, a lot of those projects arose from just, hey, let's throw people together and see what happens. And I know that's how Deconstructing Moya happened, which was the rewatch project where we went through Farscape. It was me, Weston, Kay, Tessa, and it became such a popular thing that we were getting emails from Jim Henson Studios. And then Dana and Kay finally had me on for an episode, and this was right around the same time that Kay was putting together a whole beginner's guide to podcasting, and sure enough, I got bit with the bug. And that's how I Hate Love Remakes happened. And my co-host on that EV was someone I met through Made of Fail. From then on, things just kept expanding. We got more podcasts. I started writing for other blogs. I mean, I remember we even got up to the point where we were doing an audio drama series. And what's funny is we reached out to the community of actors who had nothing to do with Made of Fail, and yet people came in who then became a part of the Made of Fail community. Masters of Carpentry. My co-host on that, Alexander Adrock, was just this random actor that came into the Made of Fail community by being on that show. Made of Fail was such a rich place to just throw people together and see what would emerge from it. Most of my friends, to this day, are people that I met through Made of Fail. Most of my collaborators and guests on my podcast are people that I met through Made of Fail. I'm still doing a series, Shumacast, with Angel, someone who I met through Made of Fail. Made of Fail 
it broke me out of my shell. I had started writing reviews and blogs before I joined Made of Fail, but getting to do projects where I'm writing alongside other people and through their writing we're discussing things and expanding our own viewpoints to encompass other people's viewpoints and thus getting an even broader view of a thing. That literally changed my perspective on how I like to review and discuss things. The whole podcasting thing, where Kay taught me so much about podcasting and then I learned a bunch of stuff and taught them about podcasting. It brought out my voice. It brought out my passion to examine things and study things and look at something on both an individual level and how it fits in this broader whole. It really made me passionate about not only saying what I think about a thing, but hearing what other people think about a thing and seeing what broader viewpoint is discovered when we put all those individual viewpoints together. Literally, all of that was shaped through Made of Fail. I would not be publicly speaking to people were it not for Made of Fail. Hell, it wasn't just all the podcasting and blogs. Dana was the person who got me on Skype for the first time. Dana was the person who got me on Twitter for the first time. Literally every way in which I express myself to the world comes from Made of Fail and comes from the people of Made of Fail. Now, those of you who are following the site know that I did part ways with Made of Fail. I became a significant part of this community very quickly, and I began to fall into the same traps that most shock jocks do, where you get so jazzed by suddenly having all this attention and people wanting to hear what you have to say that you just start throwing things out there and you start to mistake reactions for attention and suddenly all you're doing is fishing for reactions and you're just throwing things out there. You're trying to outshock yourself. You're trying to push buttons. You're trying to just do anything that will make people flinch. And you interpret that as, oh, I have attention. And in doing so, I burn bridges. I crossed lines. I made people uncomfortable. I made people pissed off. What's nice is that I had friends who had my back. And what I mean by that is there's this great tweet that's been going around where when a true friend has your back, they're not putting up with your bullshit. They're calling you out on it. And I had friends in the community who pulled me aside and really made me realize just how toxic I was becoming and that I was heading down a path that all it was doing was hurting people. All it was doing was angering people. And anything that I was doing that was fun and positive was being drowned out by just how gross I was being because I was so damn desperate for attention. That's not what caused me to leave Made of Fail, but it sure did sow a lot of the tensions that ultimately led there. And as I said, bridges were burned and I don't blame people for burning those bridges. What was nice about separating out kind of rebuilding who I wanted to be as a person, this really kind of allowed me to just kind of step back and start fresh and really start pulling away from the whole shock jock theatrics and realizing it doesn't matter if you're making people react if their reactions are in disgust. So don't worry about reactions. Don't worry about attention. Just go back to what got me started in the first place. Evaluate things. Discuss things. Share your opinion, hear other opinions, see what the broader viewpoint is. I don't regret that I took that step back. I regret that I had gotten to the point where I needed to. And by the way, for all the people who I pissed off, 
who I grossed out, whose feelings I hurt, who I pushed the buttons of, I'm sorry. I can say as much as I want about how much I've grown, how far I've moved on from that, but it doesn't change the fact that I still did that. I still hurt you. I still grossed you out. I still pissed you off. While there have been some bridges that I've been able to rebuild, I in no way blame those who have had no interest in seeing those bridges rebuilt. It has been refreshing to return to Metafail in the last couple years. For those who don't know, Dana had started doing reviews of the Shannara TV series, very quickly got burned by the show, and because I was still following Made of Fail's blogging projects and podcasts, because I still enjoyed them, people I was still friends with were still a part of them, and I was enjoying Dana's write-ups of Shannara because I was myself watching the series, I volunteered to step in, and it's been nice kind of clearing the air. And even though it's not like a full return to Made of Fail, it's been nice to just kind of visit again. You know, it's <laughs> it's kind of like coming back to your parents' house and staying in your old bedroom. And everything's been moved around. Dad's made it into an office. Mom uses it to store all of her stuff. But it still has the feeling of familiarity. And it's been nice being able to come back. And again, it's been great seeing Made of Fail stick around. There's been ups and downs, there's been high points and low points, but Made of Fail has still always been at its best when it's been about the community and spotlighting people in the community and bringing together people in the community. And to this day, they still do that. And even though the main podcast ultimately has kind of burned out, and even though other projects have branched off into their own thing or ultimately got discontinued as people moved on to other stuff, it's been great seeing the community still hold together, and it's been great seeing even the blogging projects that Made of Fail is continuing to do. Made of Fail will have a legacy. Again, so much of what I've put out in the world is the result of my interactions with Made of Fail. I know other people who have gone out and created things and made things as a result of their time in the Made of Fail community. Made of Fail genuinely impacted people's lives. For all the swings, for all the occasional drama, for all the low points, I think the legacy of Made of Fail is a positive one. It helped people. It inspired people. It brought people together who otherwise wouldn't have met. And it challenged people to find new ways to express their thoughts and their opinions and their creativity and their imaginations and... So many things now exist as a result of Made of Fail. And even more importantly, so many friendships continue to exist as a result of Made of Fail. Made of Fail changed my life, and I will always be thankful for that. Thank you. So, hopefully this works. Um... Hi, my name is Kefra White, also known as Casey White, and you may or may not remember me from the Twilight episodes of Made of Fail, as well as, I believe, I think we did the Nightmare on, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, episode for the remake. Oh, God, the remake. Lord Jesus up above. Uh, I also wrote a few uh, Luke Cage recaps. Let's see, uh, my time with Made of Fail <laughs> was quite interesting. Uh, it introduced me to a lot of things that I really don't pay much attention to. Uh, I, I read comic books 
and watch sci-fi and things like that uh, sporadically. I, I like a few shows, but I've never really, you know, been devoted to many things. I got a lot of eggs in my basket, but it gave me an insight into things that I really wasn't aware I might like and a chance to discuss them. Uh, it introduced me to the world of Cleolinda, who I completely enjoy. I still uh, have her book and love it and love her recaps and updates. And I, I admit to fangirling a bit after uh, getting to work with and speak to her. Uh, another episode also introduced me to Tori Joe, M. Story Joe. Uh, we met on May the Fail, Captain Touch, and she has actually become one of my dearest, dearest, closest friends. And I have you to thank, to thank for that. I have made a fail to thank for that. I do realize that I'm saying and and um a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is really off the top of my head. Uh, let's see. When I started with made a fail, I was, gosh, it's been 10 years, Lord. I was neck deep in going back to school. I'm from New Orleans, so a lot of the post-Hurricane Katrina rebuilding and things like that were going on. So it was kind of an escape for that and a way to just talk about things I enjoyed and make me laugh when I wasn't stressing out over papers or finals or anything like that. I am now currently an English teacher and stand-up comedian living in Madrid, Spain. And uh, I actually got to meet Tori face-to-face -face a couple of years ago, and we're planning another arrangement, a get-together soon. Turns out our birthdays are literally one day apart, so that, that's been one of my best things. Getting to work with Dana and Noel <laughs> was uh, quite interesting. I think we had some interesting conversations and thoughts, and I feel like it was a window into getting to know some of my friends better and kind of seeing what made other people tick. If I had a final message for listeners, oh my god, how could I forget um, the the Destroy the ti Twilight Noob? What was it? Kill the Twilight Noob? Which I heard was, my, my meltdown was quite popular. I still feel somewhat destroyed, and I don't know if I'll ever recover from that moment. And I blame all of you, actually, for that. Thanks for that. That was quite terrible, and traumatizing and I hear I've become a ringtone. Don't know if that's true or not. I only uh, hear gossip on the internet. Final message for listeners. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for listening to some horrifying moments, bad jokes, and incredible debates. Just find your passion, find your thing, and know your thing. Everyone's got their something. And if we were able to help with that, then I'm glad. If we were able to bring people together, forge friendships, start connections, then it's all worth it. So uh, I wish I had something profound to say, like, you know, go forth and set the world on fire. But I didn't. That was St. Ignatius de Loyola, the founder of my university. But whatever. Hey, if that works for you, go with it, baby. Vaya con Dios. So thanks for everything. Happy 10 years to May the Fail. And... Gosh, I just introduced a bunch of people here in Spain to the podcast, so it's going to be sad to see you go, but let's see where we go from then. I may be doing a podcast of my own soon. Who knows? 
The future is crazy. Y'all take care. Hey there, Made of Fail family and friends. This is Emily Witten coming to you live from Denver Comic-Con. Things are pretty busy over here, but I didn't want to disappoint Dana and company who asked if we could send in a little bit of a reminiscence about Made of Fail uh, at its 10-year anniversary, which is pretty impressive. So this is a little bit scripted and off the cuff, as I'm, uh, as always, in the middle of a million things, but one of those things has been, over the years, Made of Fail, and I am privileged and proud to have been a part of the podcast and the Made of Fail family. Um, I started listening before I was on the podcast, and when the podcast itself started in 2008, that was around the time I was just starting to get into different kinds of fandom in a bigger more interactive way by doing Ask Deadpool on LiveJournal and eventually Twitter, and by beginning to work on the first North American Discworld convention, which uh, I co-founded with Lee Whiteside and Anna Caggiano, and which uh, happened in 2009. So by 2010, which is when I started being a guest on the show, Made a Fail podcast, um, I had one Discworld con under my belt and was on my way towards another in 2011, which was pretty crazy, and uh, was moving into going to a lot of comics conventions and writing stuff about them, which eventually landed me a job at Comic Mix, uh, writing over the last six years or so for their website regularly um, in all kinds of areas, doing convention reports and interviews and news and opinion pieces and how-tos and all kinds of stuff. But um, as I was doing all of that, I was also being invited occasionally to guest on Made of Fail, where we talked about the Discworld, we talked about young adult fiction and the fandom and industry that surrounds that. Uh, We talked about running and going to conventions and all kinds of things like that. I found Made of Fail because, as as everyone, take a shot, as everyone does, uh, I knew Cleo Linda, and um, she was guest on the show, I think episode seven, if I recall correctly, one of the very early episodes she came on, and that's how I started listening to the show. Um, but it has always been just a great uh, example of how a podcast can be really fun and interesting, but stay real and rooted in what its runners and or hosts are interested in and its guests are interested in. And I have always loved that about Made of Fail. I've met a lot of really cool people through being on the podcast and, uh, you know, now have in-person as well as online friends through the show. I would not have met Dana and Kevin and George and Ben and Carl and the kitties and all of those folks um, in person, certainly, if I was not uh, listening to and being on the show. And we had some great adventures over the years, including them having to host me while I was going crazy from running conventions and things like that. Always good times. Um... But, you know, everyone involved in this show is just a good person and uh, have become good friends, some folks that I've had the privilege of meeting in person. And um, even though the podcast is ending, I'm glad to know that my friends are not going anywhere. And that's that's really good. Of course, also as part of 
what was going on during the 10 years when the show was going on and during the time when I was involved with it is that I had surgery for my eyes um, due to my uh, eye disease, keratoconus. And for that, there was a fandom auction, which was a crazy wonderful thing to have people help me out with. And Made of Fail contributed um, by giving auctioning off a guest spot and George, who then later ended up co-hosting Made of Fail, was the person who won the guest spot. So Made of Fail, in fact, does own part of my eyes and or George owns part of my eyes. But at the same time, I feel like I am responsible in some small part for George being on the show. So there you go. Um, it's a very symbiotic relationship, all of us together. So, um, yeah, it's it's been great to be part of Made of Fail and... It's been great to meet and become friends with so many cool people that are inv- have been involved in this show, and I fully anticipate that we will continue to be friends, and we better be. Nobody, nobody run away. Um, but uh, <laughs> and you know, hopefully, the since the you know the website is still going to be there and other projects are still going to be there, hopefully, we will remain involved with each other's lives in various fandom ways um, through that and just generally in the social media realms. Um, so Dana asked us, you know, how have our lives changed since in the last ten years? And wow, I've had a lot of changes, but. Uh, over the years, I have become a writer for and then consistently been a writer and reporter for Comic Mix for that's for approximately six years now. And um, that has involved also, you know, regularly going to some of the biggest comics conventions and genre conventions and reporting on them, interviewing a lot of amazing people, uh, both uh, one-on-one and in press conferences and on stage and moderating panels for all kinds of amazing people. I mean, I've had the privilege of moderating and or interviewing on stage everyone from, you know, Sir Terry Pratchett, who we will all miss forever, and Neil Gaiman to, like, Sean Astin and Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling, Mark Pellegrino, George Newbern, um, uh, you know, voice actors like John DiMaggio, Billy West, Phil Lamar, Janet Varney, Dana Snyder, Clay Croker, who is sadly no longer with us, Um, you know, comics folks like Gail Simone, uh, Riley Brown, Jerry Duggan, Mike Hawthorne, Chris Sims, uh, Scott Koblish, uh, Greg Capullo, Dan Jurgens, Scott Snyder, Christopher Priest, Jay Lee, Jason Aaron, I mean, uh, you know, Gabby Rivera, um, Carolyn Coca, Ariel Johnson, Ashley Woods, like just amazing people that I've gotten to, um, oh, and Carol Barrowman, just, you know, sit and talk with on stage and, um, you know, moderate or interview in front of a live audience, which is exciting. I've now been uh, on the Fantastic Forum radio show, which is on, we're a 96.7 FM in the Arlington area, but available for streaming all over the country on Mixcloud. Um, So I've been on the Fantastic Forum radio show at least like 10 times doing live radio, you know, live broadcasting from a real radio station, which is a lot of fun. And um, I've been working on some freelancing you know, aside from the Discworld 2009 convention, I chaired the 2011, co-chaired the 2017 in New Orleans, where I did get to visit with some made-of-fail folks again. Um, 
and hopefully will again if I get down to New Orleans because that place is awesome. And uh, now I am co-writing a comic, which is coming out from a really great comics publisher next year, and it's going to be a three-volume graphic novel series, which is I'm super excited about. I, I hope everyone's going to love it dearly. Um, and let me put it this way, if you've ever seen any of my posts about tiny hamsters and been like, oh, tiny hamsters are cute, you know, you might want to check out the comic because tiny hamsters are cute and I like writing about them. So yeah, I mean, I've got a comic coming out. I'm working on launching a website so that I can kind of round up all this stuff I've done over the last however many years and keep track of it myself and have it out there for people to find. I've got some web comics that are also out online and it's just all over the place. So I'm trying to round it up. So I'll be launching a website soon. And then when the comic comes out, there'll be all kinds of information about that. There's a lot of changes that have been going on in my life, and um, and also I got promoted at my at my job, so now I'm a senior attorney, which is pretty cool. So um, <laughs> you know, working a day job and doing all these fandom things and uh, other jobs like the comics and the reporting and the moderating. It's crazy in the convention running. It's pretty crazy, but made a fail uh, being on the podcast and being part of this has been a great part of all those things I have done. And even though it's not always directly connected, I guarantee that being part of the podcast has helped me to practice, you know, interviewing, talking to people, being on the radio show, moderating on panels. It's all connected. So I would credit Made of Fail as being part of my successes in these other areas and uh, hopefully continuing successes for both me and other people who have been on Made of Fail. Um, you know, it's been a great ride, and I assume that Made of Fail friends and family will continue to be in touch and circle in and out of each other's lives and be friends and, you know, do other great things on maybe on the Made of Fail website or maybe in our own areas, but, uh, you know, not lose the network of great, awesome, amazing, geeky, nerdy kindred spirits that we have met and made friends with while being a part of or listening to Made a Fail. So, uh, gosh, there's a lot to say, and I probably haven't said it all, and that's probably okay because I ramble, but a uh, big thanks to Dana and Kevin, Kevin and Dana, the, the founders of Made of Fail, and to everyone who I have worked with there over the years, Devin editing, I know, uh, and Ben doing some art, and of course, Cleo and I for our brief stint attempting to co-host, which mostly was not as uh, successful as it could have been due to our extremely busy schedules. <laughs> and uh, But yes, uh, we did, we did co-host for a while, I guess I forgot to mention that. And... Um, and it was wonderful and a privilege to be invited to do that by Kevin and Dana, and um, we we did our best for the small amount of time that we were able to to get it going. Um, so yeah, everyone that uh, is part of Made a Fail, I hope we'll be in touch. You can find me on Twitter at Forest House, one word like trees in a house, and on Instagram at the Forest House, and I am on Facebook. I'm gonna have a fan page soon to go with the website, um, but for now you can just find me on my regular page. And uh, there will be a website soon, there will be a comic coming out next year. I'm so excited about all that, it's gonna be great. And in the meantime, you know, stay cool, 
and uh, and be unpopular before it was cool. No, don't be unpopular. You're all wonderful people. So let's all be popular and cool and geeky and nerdy together. And uh, I'll see you all around. Hey, everybody. George here, uh, former po- podcast co-host, um, audio engineer, tech support, general sounding board for Dana, as well as writer for the uh, Flash Recap series uh, Flash Caps and pretty much any other Star Wars stuff that uh, Dana wants me to cover. Uh, I really can't believe it's been 10 years of this little podcast. It's something of a feat. Um, some would say it smells like it, but we don't listen to them. I just want to take a few moments to say how grateful I am to all of you for having stuck by us all this time through the good and the bad. Um, I found my family through this podcast and while there's absolutely some things I would have changed about when I was doing my co-hosting duties, um, I'm so thankful for all of you for having listened, for having interacted with us, um, and just trying to be awesome. Um, you know, I, I, I've been thinking back to what it was like 10 years ago. And I just remember... I remember being excited about fandoms. Um, I remember, you know, even though it was very popular to just, you know, crush it. Um, Twilight was still at least funny to talk about. Um, There wasn't this universal... Well, not universal. There wasn't this specific hate mob that was out there. Or there probably was, but they were confined to the corners of the internet that nobody went to. Except... uh, We won't get into that. Um, but I just want to say that I'm proud to be a part of Made a Fail. I sincerely, sincerely apologize to everyone for every one of my episodes. Um, I'm still happy to have done them, and I want to thank Dana and Kevin for giving me this opportunity. Um, I especially want to thank Emily for, uh, having her eyes fail and her doctor be a dick. Um, that sounds so wrong. Uh, I want to thank Linkara for, uh, introducing me to this little thing. Um, thank you, Lewis, so much. And I know everybody's going to talk about powdered sparkle pyre for obvious reasons. But I want to mention a few uh, lesser-known episodes um, that I still get a little bit of a kick out of. Um, of course, the other ones are D&D and the musical episode. Um, the horror episode, I thought, was a really good one. I really loved the um, New Nightmare on Elm Street uh, remake uh, recap. Um that also brought on current Flash writer Sterling Gates. 
um, the one where JK talked about uh, what the Hurricane Sandy and his experiences going through that. Um, just that simple question: What would Captain Picard do? And you know what? I I, I want to just I'm getting a little emotional here, so I'll go ahead and end this by saying. Um, thank you so much for every single one of you for every second of your time you didn't have to give it to us but I'm glad you did and I hope you were entertained and I hope you learned something so in conclusion Alan Rickman okay part two um <clears throat> I really want to talk about how fandom can bring people together and specifically how it brought you and I together. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about us now. Let's talk about our relationship. And to, to, you know, talking about ourselves is something that we never, Data ever, fail tradition. ever, ever do. <laughs> well, you know, it's my show and I can do whatever the fuck I want, so eat me. <laughs> but I think it was Golden Sun. That was our our touchstone that brought us together, and it's this it's this really really good lesser known RPG, and it came out on the Game Boy Advance, and it had a sequel on the Game Boy Advance that was fucking rad, and it had a third inst- um, installment on the DS, which was not as good, that ended on another cliffhanger fun. because Camelot didn't learn their lesson from fucking the Lost Age. And we're probably never going to see the fourth part, and we're never. I, oh, I'm I'm still salty about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just. It wasn't really as good as the two Game Boy games, but it was still really fun. Yeah, but it was like, oh, let's see who this weird, like, blue-haired antagonist is. Could it possibly be? Oh my God, it's Alex! I am so surprised. I don't know why I was doing the Kyle voice there, but <laughs> I, I just. <laughs> Ah, it just was so unimaginative. (laughs) But anyway, it it had some it had some good concepts. I Uh, I I just wish they could have could have had like just a complete story. Yes, would have been nice. Well, now that the switch is out, there's uh, lots of opportunities. Sure, if you know part three made any money, maybe they'd be able to develop it. Yeah, but I digress. So I was on LiveJournal back in the olden days, circa 2005, mm-hmm. and uh, it, was, it was the Customer Suck community? It was Customer Suck. And I don't remember what the exact topic was, but all I saw was somebody with a Golden Sun icon, and I was like, holy shit, somebody else in the world has played that game. You seem cool. And we were both making posts on it because we both had worked customer jo- jobs, and I was talking about my retail experience and some other stuff. And but, the, and but, so, but, but wasn't it funny how I thought you were cool? Everybody thinks I'm cool. Uh huh. Uh huh. Look, look, my mom thinks I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Are you sure about that? Yes. <laughs> All right, but yeah, and and so, um. I think Hurricane Katrina happened shortly thereafter, and I got um, whooshed back up to Illinois. And so we decided to meet that year in person, IRL. and For trust, my 21st birthday. Trust incidentally. God, you were such a baby. You're still such a baby. I'm 33. 
You're a baby. <laughs> You're a little baby. You are but a child compared to me. It was it was it was shortly after my twenty first birthday, and we had, we had trust that we weren't <laughs> axe murderers to each other. Yeah, and and so I had full um, hair that year. You had Renoa hair at the time, hair. and we went to uh, Zany's Comedy Club. Ooh, but we got downtown ice cream. Did we get ice cream beforehand? We did. We got it from Coldstone, remember? And then I couldn't finish it because it was going to make me sick. Okay. Trust me. That makes sense. I'm, yeah. That makes sense. Um, we went to Zany's Comedy Club, and I still remember the routines, and I still remember because there were only, like, four people in the audience because across the street at Second City, Dane Cook was having a show. Oh, but I'll always remember the one guy in the audience who was very, very loud. Uh, they came. They, so they came out before they started the show. They came out and said, "Okay, so there's only like five of you." Dan Cook is across the street in Second City. Do you still want uh, a show? Like, we'll we'll be willing to refund your tickets and or give you give you like a rain check tickets to another night. And we were like, "No, we're here. We've got liquor. We're gonna uh, <laughs> let's have fun." And so they went and bless them. They went and we're here. Uh, we're queer. We got beer. Basically, they went and performed their acts. The five people. <laughs> and this one guy. That one guy should have counted as ten. Standing in the back over by the bar. Mistake was basically one. yeah, he was he was he was laughing loud enough to fill the entire room of people that were not there. <laughs> he was an and, audience unto himself. And we were laughing too because it was fun, but everybody like all Remember that they remember when that one dude thought that we were on a date? Yeah. That was hysterical. Well, you know, heteronormative society and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, no, it was, that was, that was a lot of fun. And that kind of set the tone for everything else where we'd go and have fun and nobody Something, else would do no, it with no, us. No. I, I think, I think like <laughs> the, the tone for our friendship was everything's going to fuck up and we're going to have fun anyway. Basically. Right? <laughs> Having fun while everything falls apart around us. That, that, that's a microcosm of our entire relationship, basically. I, I thought the microcosm <laughs> of, of our relationship was you telling me, Dana, no, no, and me not listening. Basically. Also that. <laughs> Use your best judgment. Are you sure? Use my <laughs> best judgment. You know what? I want to use that for the graphic for this episode. I totally want to do it. I totally want to do it. Um, but I'm so fucking glad that I met you. I okay. This is the part where I'm going to start to cry. Okay, Mm -hmm. this is the part where I'm going to start to fucking cry because this is the last time our listeners are going to hear from us about this. And uh, (laughs) shit, you know what? You go first. (laughs) Let's start. Tell me, tell me how your life has changed in the past ten years. I've we've got a while. <laughs> well, um, in the last ten years, I've moved twice, uh, gotten married. Uh, you were there. Mm-hmm. I do remember. Um, that was that was it's fun. true. Had, uh, Against all odds, somebody loved him. <laughs> You know what? That was you. mean, and I'm sorry. The uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. The uh, the wedding was um, 
we kept it small because both of us have uh, Irish Catholic sides, and so we have large families. So we kept it family only, and so there were only eighty people at the wedding. Only um, Irish Catholic. Uh, we're like twenty at mine tops. Um, I had as my groomswoman. I had you as my best man. I had my younger sister Jenny, and I had my effective sister Tessa, who is uh, right now actually in a fantastic relationship and about to move to another apartment um, and is doing very well for herself as well. But we're not talking about her, we're talking about me. I know, but out um, of curiosity, is because uh, I haven't talked to Tessa forever, are she and Susan moving in together or? Yes. Where's that going to leave Sage? Um, she's going to be living with them for uh, a short period of time until she can get something else. Okay, cool. Because it was it was it was a whole thing where they were not exactly getting evicted, but their landlord needed their apartment. Ugh. So it was so like they were they getting were, evicted. They they were affected. They were they were told the next time that uh, once their lease is up, they were not going to renew because they needed the the apartment for some for something else. <sighs> That's so I hate it when people do that. But it was like like three months notice, so that's like more than most people get. Well, I guess it's better um, than getting you know a house all to yourself because your father in law died. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but but uh, but yeah, so they're the three of them are going to get a place, and then uh, Sage is going to move out, um, and then it'll be just Susan and Tessa, and that'll be uh, and they're just right down the street from where they're, they're currently at. So that won't affect really anything. Okay. Um, Susan actually got a new job nice. uh, right down there too. So it's going to be really convenient. Anyway. Um, I'm sure that was fascinating for everybody who was listening to us. Well, everybody who's listening to us. Are people knows who, who everybody else personally is. know Tessa is. So. <laughs> Fuck it. You're all uh, our friends. <laughs> but um, no. So I got married. I got a better job I got uh, laid off from that better job and I got my current job which is still a very good job we got two cats um, and uh, oh and both my parents retired Uh, my mom I don't remember if my mom was retired when we started this podcast because she retired a long time ago but my dad retired last year and now they both currently work together at Wrigley Field Nice. Oh, awesome. Yeah, because I know your parents, so that, that's got to be like your mom's dream job. Well, my mom wanted to just do, like, on her bucket list since she was seven, and she actually showed me the sheets for this. Uh, <laughs> since she was seven, she wanted she wanted to work at Wrigley Field. Oh, that is fantastic. I'm so happy for her. So once she retired, she started looking around into the different things that she could do. And so she was waiting for dad to retire so they could do it together. So they went and Aww. got jobs as uh, ushers. So they, t- they take tickets, they go and uh, guide people during the show, uh, during, during the, the games there, um, they have to go to at least 53 games in the year. Oh, what a trial. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, for my mom. And, and she was like, she wasn't going to try to get her hopes up because what if this was like, not what she thought it was going to be and she didn't like it. And she was, uh, and, and if, uh, if that was the case, then she wasn't going to continue it. And it turned out this is exactly what she wanted it to be. So she is just spending all her time in the spring and so they just started the season so um 
for the last couple months, uh, they've been spending like all their time down at Wrigley Field and uh, just really having a great time. That's they just got back from. Sweet. They just got back from Israel. Um, they went hiking in Israel, uh, which my mom's always wanted to go to because you know, my mom's Jewish and she, that's one of the things that she always wanted to do. And when she was when she was a kid, they didn't do the birthright trips that. Oh really? They did for us. Um, so, I thought that was like a thing you had to do for like the bar or bat mitzvah. No. Huh. No, it was a thing my, that my, my ex uh, my ex stepmother was Jewish and her kids. I remember I remember my younger stepbrother's bar mitzvah, and I remember that he got like some big check or something from relatives, and he had to use it to go to Jerusalem. That was not a part of the bar mitzvah. That was probably a part of what the family had required. Oh, okay. Of it, that was probably a family thing. No, what what, what do Israel does. What Israel does, because Israel wants uh, the diaspora to come back home, um, is that anybody who's Jewish um, between the ages of 18, and it was 26, and they expanded it to 30 now, um, between the ages of 18 and 30, uh, if you register with the, uh, um, with the government, they will pay for a trip to visit Israel. That's pretty cool. So a lot of kids go um, like either during or, or before college or just after college. Uh, a lot of Jewish kids go and go in like friend groups or like uh, um, temple youth groups and uh, go and visit. I did not know it was a thing until after I was 26 and missed the first cutoff. And then I didn't know that they had extended it to 30 until after that and missed the second cutoff. I'm pretty sure you're still allowed to go visit Israel if you want. But on my own dime. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jenny, my young, youngest sister, she got to go. Mm. And she really enjoyed that. And so my, my mom always wanted to go. So she and my dad went and they just got back last week. And uh, uh, they had a great time as well. Yeah, they should have brought you. I was working. Well, okay then. Be that way. I have a new job. With your job and your responsibilities. So, but that's, that's, that's what's happened with me over the last 10 years. You nine to fiving sheep. So what about you? What about, what's been going on with you in the last 10 years? Oh my God, where do I start? Well, Uh, 10 years ago, we started a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess we did do that. Um... I have dealt with no fewer than three hurricanes, several mental breakdowns, one suicide attempt, moving back and forth across the Mason-Dixon more times than I am willing to even try to count. Um, Several people died. Um, We're experiencing the insidious and gradual breakdown of American democracy as we know it. And, oh, I had a goddamn hate mob run me off the internet for about a half a year. That was fun. Yeah, that was that was fun for everybody. I've, I've had stuff happen. I'm just saying. There, there, has, there have been events. <laughs> I'd really like to be able to claim that anything good happened, but holy shit. No, that's not true. Um, I got to be friends with, you know, through this podcast, a fuck ton of really really great people 
And I'm really, really grateful for that. Like, seriously, like all my friends right now, either I got them off of Metafail or I got them from Warcraft. Mm-hmm. The Warcraft ones are totally your fault. I blame you for everything. It's all your fault. You usually do. I know. But I'm it's amazing how many people that uh, came to listen to us then just became friends. Well, because, I mean, that's sort of like how fandom works. When it's I'm not saying anything right? bad about that. I'm glad that that happened. I know, I but it's super, like I, I just extremely. It's just weird. It's just going back to like I don't understand toxic fandom because then it's like you you don't really bond with anybody. You lose out on making friends. You know, like happy good times stuff. I can't words, but it's just Cleland so nonsensical. Says. It's just so nonsensical. It makes no sense to me because like people would come to the podcast and they'd be all like, oh, I like this thing. This thing is cool. And then I'd be like, yeah, that thing is cool. And then I'd talk to that person about the cool thing. And then we'd start talking about ourselves and find out that we have so much more in common and we just enjoy talking to each other. So we ended up as friends. Like, mm-hmm. fucking, oh, there are, there are so many people in my life right now who have let's let's list every single one of them I by name. I can't. I actually can't. There there are too many. There are way too many. We got okay. I guess I guess far. primarily, first and foremost. Um, I was joking. We don't need to. <laughs> no, 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 no. I really, I really want to mention like maybe like three or four people. I really do okay. because they've changed Not my life. Not that we're excluding anybody else from I am not excluding anybody. I am just saying that these are the people who have made the biggest difference in my life. Uh All of you have made a difference, but uh, I would be remiss in not mentioning George. Because George uh, bought his way onto the show, sort of. Um, George bought his way onto the show and into our hearts. But he he did it. (laughs) It was an act of generosity and kindness towards a complete and total stranger. Because if you'll recall, um, our our frequent guest and uh, former co-host and very dear friend, Emily Witten, um, had... uh, was is it keratoconus or keratoconus? Car- uh, yeah, I can't pronounce that. An eye disease um, that was very degenerative and needed an experimental operation to get her to see. Um, and so Cleo had some auctions um, and made a fail. So put somebody, on auction. And, yeah, and, and, somebody, and, and, somebody and I don't put know together, who it was. Yeah, somebody, somebody organized. Somebody an organized the thing. Yeah, yeah, and made a fail. It was a um, fandom auction. And made a fail put up a slot on the show. And we started the bidding at $10 because we didn't think it was going to go much higher than that. Yeah. And there erupted a bidding war between George and our fan Danielle from Australia. Uh-huh. And George ended up taking the winning, pr- uh, the, the winning price with $500. That so, went straight to Emily's eyes. Straight to Emily's eyes for a total stranger that he had... No idea who she was out of the fucking goodness of his heart. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he got on the show and we talked for a while. And it turned out he lived near uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And he decided to come down and visit. Uh, I, I actually know this was um, 
first first this is after first we met we, at C2E2. First C2E2 because you guys hung yeah, out yeah. at the convention. Yeah, we did that first. That's where we actually met in person. Uh, and that's when we started talking to each other uh, after that. And then he came down for repeated visits and ended up moving in. And um, he actually ended up being my boyfriend. And that's how I came out as polyamorous to everybody. Yay! which was really weird because it was a very shitty origin uh i it was really you don't have to go into it if you don't want uh, to i kind of do but it would be just a really large tangent but suffice to say that i was a shitty shitty girlfriend to everybody for like everybody i've ever dated um until I finally sat down and I had a talk with Carl and he accepted me as polyamorous and you know we we it gets personal after that but you know the the marriage is still in good shape and I still love my Carl more than almost anything else in the entire world and he loves me and we are never ever going to leave each other and that's like after several conversations that are none of the internet's business um, but George and Carl and I and the cats are a family and I'm very happy with my family and we all take care of each other and contribute to the household in our own ways. And it's weird and it's non-nuclear, but it works and we're all really happy. And I'm really, really grateful for my George because he has helped take care of me. He has helped take care of Carl and we've looked out for him in return and it's just it's just really great and i'm smiling like a fucking idiot because i love my voice i really really do he's gone to bat for me for yeah. like many many times so i yeah that's and, and and for me against you actually a couple times well we have arguments because we've been friends for like ever what, 14 it years has, at this it has point. been 13 years as of this point actually so we clash like friends tend to do and it tends to get Messy. upsetting like friends tend to do so no but yeah george has gone to bat for me and he is i've got a lot of respect for him george has a good heart that is he really does that's i think that's what attracts me to people whether romantically or platonically is i'm attracted to kindness i'm attracted to people who care about other people that's like a number one thing for me is are you a decent man and speaking of decent people um i gotta give a shout out to sterling gates who i started out as a fan of his on his supergirl run because holy shit Supergirl was terrible up until he came and fixed it. <laughs> it was terrible. Look up, look up the Power Boy thing from like 2007, six or seven. And it, oh God. It, and Supergirl was in like this tiny, tiny mini skirt and she was smoking and oversexed and she was edgy and cool. And yeah, whatever. I, 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 it just, it didn't fit her. It didn't fit my conception of Kara Zor-El. And Sterling came along and was like, oh yeah, all your weird personality changes. That was just kryptonite poisoning. And I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> and it ended up being a really, really good run. And it also kind of paralleled his journey as a comic book writer. Um, because the whole the whole arc was uh, Kara was trying to find where she fit in and why she deserves 
the job that she has and why and you know like just making mistakes and and trying to you know find her place and that's sort of what he was going through over at DC and and being like a professional comic book writer which is something he wanted to do like his entire life and over the years first he was on the show a couple of times and then we actually ended up bonding not over not over comics but over horror movies and it was yeah his his first show was the uh, nightmare Nightmare on elm street Street. episode yeah but we we also personally we started talking about hatchet because nobody had seen hatchet that i knew other than my friend angie but like i was like holy shit somebody else has seen this movie and it, it turns out he's like this huge huge horror fan and he's also into like grunge rock and guitars and i'm like okay y- y- you know like you have sold me on you so he's still live in that haunted apartment he still lives in the haunted apartment it's been like years. i don't know why i don't know uh. why He's making like TV money now. He should get the. He should be able to afford. <laughs> Sterling yeah, should be yeah, able our, to afford friend, better ghosts. Our, our our friend Sterling Gates, who has been on a couple episodes of our podcast, is now on the writing staff for both Supergirl and The Flash. No, he's only staffed on The Flash. He did one. He's episode only staffed of, on The Flash. Yes, he oh, did one oh, episode okay. of Supergirl. I don't I know if he's gotten renewed. I don't know if he's gotten renewed for season five of The Flash yet. But fingers crossed. I hope he is. He his episodes were be. the best episodes his, this season. They on. I know we're biased, but seriously, they were. Yeah. They really, really were. And I am so fucking proud of him for getting to the point. Because you don't know what the Flash meant to him growing up, dude. He he was, like, huge into the Flash, into the comics, into the 90s TV series. And he ended well, up he ended up working on an episode. This season, yeah. He ended yeah, up I working on an episode with John Wesley Shipp. Yeah. And that was like his fucking childhood dream. dream. And I am so happy for him. I am so, so fucking happy for him. And personally, he helped me after my awful, awful, shitty breakup and my mental breakdown around 2005. He he got me through so much shit. And I've gotten him through some shit. And he and I are like, we're really close friends and I'm so grateful to, uh, to made a fail and to Supergirl for, you know, like giving me the chance to meet this person who I never would have met otherwise. And so he's one of my best friends and I love him to pieces and I'm really, really glad that I met him. And, um, I didn't meet this person through made a fail, but he's been on the show a couple times, but shout out also to Matt Rossi. From Rossi, from formerly Wow Insider and uh, Blizzard Watch, uh, now and currently Blizzard Watch, currently yeah, Blizzard Watch, and yo, I gotta say, I owe him and our friend Kara, both of those two, I owe them my career right now, because um, right now I finally have a job i am finally employed as a freelance copy editor and proofreader and i've been doing light novels and manga and it's been great and i'm getting paid for my labors and people (laughs) trust me to get shit right and my editors love me and it's fantastic and i love my job and kara's the one who got me uh the gig uh, freelancing out for the company she works for and Matt is the person um, like he's the, the the very first person that I proofread for 
um, because uh, he let me do... I, I really loved his first novel, Nameless, which you can find on Amazon. I'm totally going to link. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get it for free, actually. See if you like it. At his Patreon. And, yeah. and I, was, I was reading it, and I was like, this is a great story, but oh my God, it needs an editor so, so bad. And I'm thinking to myself, I could do that. And so he let me, and that was before I ever uh, took a class to learn how to fucking do it properly. And so that poor man had to deal with, like, in-paragraph edits, and I was, oh, why did I ever do that? Why did I ever think that was okay? <laughs> but I, I, I know what but I'm you doing. learned. I learned. I, I, I put effort into it, and I put money into it, and I know what I'm doing now, and I have a career that I'm extremely happy with. And to be fair, I've probably been training for it my whole life because I'm extremely pedantic and I love correcting people. I hadn't so. noticed. <laughs> Thanks, asshole. But uh, yeah, Matt, Matt gave me the confidence to realize I could do this for a living. And if you know me at all, I am kind of short on confidence. So that that was... That was all. What was the thing that we always said? Uh, confidence is one of the thing where if you fake it, it's real anyway. I'm really bad at that. Though. <laughs> well, the point is that you're doing a thing. I am. I am doing a thing. I am getting paid for a thing. I am happy with a thing, and I'm going to do the thing for the rest of my life, or until my eyes give out on me. I should probably get LASIK someday. Cause I'm really <laughs> nearsighted. Or just like so. glasses. You know, I've tried. There's there's a reason I don't have glasses, and I'll tell you some other time. But it's really complicated, and like everything else in my body, it's just this weird thing that doesn't quite. You know, you know how like I always have like all these little things wrong with me, and they're all really weird, and like. But they all unusual. add up into one big yeah. They're all like medically unusual. It's always like some weird off thing that can't. Like you've got you've got like a half slipped disc in your spine, and that's why your spine is always weird, and that's yeah. No, it's not like a half-slipped <laughs> disc. It's just, it's it's extremely curved. But then I've got that that lazy eye, that that dead eye, my left eye, and I got like I'm almost anemic, but not quite. <laughs> you know, like all this, all this, like almost but not quite stuff. It's so annoying. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, yeah, they they actually um since I'm getting like super old, unlike some people in this conversation. Uh, I'm thirty-three. You're a baby. I, I can see forty from here, and it ain't pretty. But um, can you? You're just talking about how your eyes suck. Listen, motherfucker, that's a good burn, but fuck you. <laughs> but that was a good burn, but also fuck you. But anyway, smartass. Uh, they they made me start taking like calcium and vitamin D supplements. So because I like I never see the sun. And I stay, mm-hmm. I stay indoors all the time. So uh, I have literally been prescribed the D. I, 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 need, I need to take the D, like, a lot, every day. Go on. No, I'm not touching that. You're not touching the D? That's not what I hear. I mean, what? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm asexual, so no. <laughs> No, it was a masturbation joke. Oh, okay. Never mind. I kind of want to just cut that whole bit, but I also want to leave it because it's so awkward and awful. (laughs) It's very us, isn't it? It's very us.
Yes, awkward and awful. That's me. I'm a trash fire. I don't know why people love me. If you love me, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you and I, whew, man, we've we've had some shit. <laughs> we've had some shit go down. Um, but we've grown up. I like to think that we've changed, and we're still changing, especially in the last few years. Because, I, I don't know, I, I think it's the fact that the world is on fire that has sort of, like, shown who people really are a lot more than, like, the last couple decades of our life has. Do you feel Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, it's, there's... There, there's, there's, a, there's a, um, it's a forge right now, it really is. The, the, circling back to this, um, the fact that there's currently the expectation that there are no consequences for being shitty has revealed a lot of the shitty undercurrents of society into being out in the open. Yeah, I was going to say more open about it, but... I feel like we can go one of two ways here. And the way I want us to go is to, now that all this stuff is in the open, now we can finally start fucking addressing it. Instead of pretending that it it doesn't exist, instead of pretending that, you know, mm-hmm. people aren't Nazis anymore, instead of pretending that racism has been over since the 60s, instead of pretending, it, all of that stuff. All of that stuff is now out in the open. People are being openly shitty. And now we can deal with it. Now we just need to actually get to that step and deal with it. But I think even on our side of things, where, mm-hmm. you know, like I mentioned before, the left has a tendency to kind of eat its own. Yeah. Um, I think the whole, like, uh, growing pains and, and processing all this awful stuff and choosing not to be... You know, it's like we still... It's like I said before, like, we'll still be making mistakes, and there's been a lot. We, we've, we've, as we've become more sensitive to, like, social issues, and we've learned more things about ourselves, and we've grown, um, it's led to a lot of misunderstandings and frictions between us, and I'm sorry it's been that way, like, it, it, it's honestly been harder to talk to you lately, and I'm sure it's been harder to talk to me, not the least of which because my phone isn't accepting texts anymore. Fuck you, Blackberry. It has been sometimes, yeah. It has been, and I don't want it to be that way. But I know that there's still going to be fights. But We're learning. We're yeah. learning. We're growing. But no matter what happens, and no matter how bad the fight, you and I always end up talking to each other about it and we try really hard not to make the same mistakes twice and it'll probably happen again but I want you to know that no matter what and I'm starting to cry (laughs) so uh, if anybody doubted I have feelings um, nothing is ever going to change how much I love you and I will always think of you as my sibling, and not by blood, but by choice, because no matter how fucking neurotic you are, or how which is a lot, or how goddamn acerbic I am, which is a lot, <laughs> um, we both want to be kind and decent people, 
and uh, we give a shit. We give a shit about people, and we give a shit about things that aren't cool, like caring and love and stuff like that. And um, that's why we did Made a Fail. That's we've we've grown to be a lot more earnest people ever since doing this. No, I'm still Dana. That was funny. Sure. George thinks I'm funny. <laughs> but that's, no, that's, but yeah, that's that's, that's, that's we... exactly it, though. Do you want to go, or do you want me to go? No, go ahead. But I was going to say that that's because we love each other and we love talking to each other. That's why we started the show, and that's because we love sharing things that make us happy because we think they could make other people happy. And if I don't know, if if you want me to get like esoteric and philosophical. I guess if you can come into this world and get to the other end of life having increased the amount of happiness in other people, then I say you have lived a very good life. So, here's to the Made Fail podcast. To Made Fail. To Made Fail. It was born in 2008. It lived for 10 years. And I think you and I can both safely say that it has increased people's happiness. And there certainly, is, certainly increased ours. There is no better note to end on than that. It's 10 years. And, you know, it's been a good run. It's been, it's, it's been a run. I'm not crying, uh, I'm crying. It's, I'm totally it's crying. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, and a lot of learning along the way and even though this is ending uh the site the community all of that is still going on uh dana's still gonna have people do reviews there's still gonna be like other stuff um if we ever get uh uh because oh and i wrote a i wrote a comic book and uh uh kara is uh drawing it so uh, whenever that gets done, we'll we'll have that information all there too. So all sorts of we're still all doing stuff, and we're still all we're still publishing friends. Anglo fees. Yeah, and we're still all friends, and that's the most important. <laughs> I just stopped crying, and now I'm gonna start again. We're all still friends, and we're all it's. We kind of we kind we kind of did kind of cobble our own like family tiny family together Not just that a community, it's a family it's a it is a family and and when you've seen some of the the, the families on reality shows you'll start to see the resemblance um but uh oh I, there's I'm the, I'm the token slut right sure we'll go with that <laughs> but no it's it's i have no regrets I don't either, but I probably should. <laughs> like we, 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 we talked about the stuff that we fucked up and the stuff that we changed, but honestly, if we could do this all over again exactly as we did, I would. And um, while I'm still recovering from all this saline coming out from my eyes, I would like to thank each and every one of our listeners, fans, contributors... Everybody who's ever been a part of Made a Fail, thank you for the past 10 years. Thank you for being our friends. Thank you for 
just everything that you've ever been or done, thank you for being you. And I hope that you continue to take the spirit of the podcast with you and continue to share in the things that make you happy with other people and never be afraid to be creative and do the things that you want to do. And I think that'll make both me and Kevin very happy to know that that's how we're going to live on. This has been episode 56. ID6, sir. Of the Made a Fail podcast and the series finale. Uh, join us next time anywhere else that you see us in anything else that you do. Because we'll be right there with you. In spirit, not in the creepy stalker way. <laughs> this maybe, has been maybe, maybe in the creepy stalker way. <laughs> yeah. This has been the Made a Fail podcast. This has Thank been a Made a Fail production. Thank you all so much for going on this journey with us and for the cat. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.